Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. I appreciate you joining us here on a nice Monday morning, February 5th, Tim, 2024. My twins had their birthday yesterday. They're eight. Can you believe that? The wow. old twinsy poos of Stella and Sophia are eight years old. Very exciting. We had a birthday party for them. It's all good. How are you, Tim? How's life in North Carolina? It's good. How was the, the party? What did you guys do? Uh, the standard stuff. Grandma and grandpa came over. We it, it, it actually wasn't the standard. We usually go tubing. They like to go tubing at a local hill. You rent the big inflatable tubes and you rip down, but there's no snow. There's absolutely nothing. It's been super warm here and everything's melted. So we had to pivot. We just did something around the house. And then their school does a daddy-daughter dance. And so we all went right. there and they got all they got dressed up and we danced the night away. And they had a blast. And then we did cake and presents and stuff. So they had a lot of fun. That's all that mattered. You know, it, it was a good weekend for them. But nothing too do crazy. The girls, nothing, nothing exciting. Do they like all of them kind of fight over one-on-one -on -one time with you? Like, is it yeah. a special treat to do something like that? Well, I took the four of them because the twins aren't in school. They're homeschooled. But I took they joined Lillian and Eleanor, who are in school. But Estelle and Sophia went to that school last year. So they still have a lot of friends who go there. So it was just, yeah, I just am surrounded by the girls on the dance floor. And they're all trying to grab my hands. And I have two two hands like everybody else. And then it's fun. I, 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 I try to embrace it because, you know. I'm not going to start singing a, you know, a Toby Keith song or who's that? You're going to miss this. So it was, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was only two hours. You do the, the dancing, the snacks, the pictures, more dancing, and then you're out the door. So it was fun. You know, nice. what are you going to do? No, no exciting stories from you, Tim, for the weekend? Uh, All-Star Game was the thing. I spent most of my uh, Saturday watching that. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We'll get into that. Before we get into it, I just want to say this episode is brought to you by our friends at Give Better. Tim's getting messages daily of people who are winning $100. It's exciting. All of our listeners just getting richer by the day. And you could, too. I don't know why you're not. There's still a lot of you who have not registered. So please go. Go to givebetter.app slash DTG. Time is running out. The Super Bowl is around the corner. We got a little over a week to get this done. We're trying to get you guys some money. So go there. All you got to do is make five picks. You get a chance to win $100. It's free. It's easy. It's a fun thing. So check it out. Go to givebetter.app slash DTG. Dropping the gloves. DTG. And uh, give some support to uh, Give Better. They're a great company. They're trying to sprinkle a little bit of good in the environment that is sports betting, which is also okay. But they're trying to make it a little more palpable. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I'm betting. We're going to give some stuff to charity. So it's a good thing. Check it out. Givebetter.app slash DTG. Tim, here on the agenda, you have IG comment. What does that mean? IG means Instagram. And uh, I was checking I Instagram last night. saw a really nice, long, uh, thoughtful comment on one of your fight videos that I'm going to read to you because you haven't seen this. And this My is fight like videos. One of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're really from, digging uh, deep in my old videos because I, Tim, I haven't fought in a long time. No, the comment came in yesterday. Here it is from Butt Kick Nick 22. Whenever someone says something like, What is a six minute a night game goon going to do for your team? I immediately bring up what you did for the Sabres. They're talking to you, John, because they tagged you in it. They went from being the Bruins' absolute punching bag to having a winning record against them and keeping guys like Chara, Lucic, and even Marchand on their best behavior. 
the game that you knocked out Louis Erickson, did you know how many hits the Bruins had against the Sabres that game? Six. Six hits. You show me any other season where guys like Thornton, Lucic, Chara, McQuaid, etc. were in the lineup and they only registered six total hits in the game. Do people think that was a coincidence? What did the Bruins do after you took out Erickson? Absolutely nothing. McQuaid put the seatbelt on you and then no other Sabres was run or jumped as a response. Why? Because we still had games against them that season and no one wanted to face you after what you did to Sean Thornton. The Sabres star like Vanek never had much space to play and stand in front of the net in their life. Ott and Coletta had a field day chasing Marshawn around doing the chicken dance and challenging him. When do you ever see the Bruins tough guys get to get let guys like Coletta and Ott do that to one of their star players? So don't give me the whole goons add nothing to the team BS. Those were some of the most entertaining years for Sabres fans in the last decade. Now they can win and they, now they can't win and they have no heart or soul. Brutal to watch. So that is nice. The nice long comment, and it's it's kind of everything that you've said, but it's coming from a fan who is, which is nice. It also starts to show off with a nice little uh, pump of your tires and get your get your head. It's a little bigger than it was five minutes ago, and it's and it's a little dig on the Bruins, which I enjoy, and, <laughs> and it just kind of wraps it up nicely. It is true, and and I say this a lot of times too. We used to play Ottawa, and Chris Neal was a thorn in everybody's side for over a decade, and when I played him, he was quiet as a church mouse. So. It, fear is a real thing, everybody. It's a real thing. And if you are scared or you think something's going to happen to you, you change your your thought process pretty quickly. Maybe I'm not going to hit that guy. And I actually never even thought of that because I did catch Louis Erickson with his head down with my shoulder. I didn't have any retribution from any Bruins player after that, which is remarkable because I, I take out – Arguably their top three player. Louis was pretty good back then. Maybe top five. Nothing, Tim. Not one thing. The big bad Bruins were super quiet after that. And we played them all the time. I thought I was going to be in for a fight night when we went to Boston the next game. But it was remarkably quiet. And I think we won the game, too. Because our record versus the Bruins when I was with the Sabres was really, really good. So... Thanks for the comment. That's nice. It sounds like that person did their homework and they they did the math on that. So, yeah. Six hits. That's pretty low. This is the time that I hated you. So this is before the All-Star and everything. I was the Bruins fan that thought you were the goon, which you were. I was. And I embraced it. Now, I brought a lot to the table in the physical realm. And people laugh at that and they say it's it's not, doesn't do anything. People still hit my team. They do. Not as much. Not as much. And it, it is what it is. It, being scared is real. I think people forget about that. You go about your day-to-day life, the normal person never feels scared, right? Like you never have a threat. Tim, when is the last time you were nervous or scared? Honestly. Something to do with watching a hockey game, probably. Nervous. But no, like you, you yourself, <laughs> where you thought physical harm was going to have, something was going to happen to you. Never yeah, probably in your life. I can't recall. No. I'm, yeah, now, at some point in my life, sure. But but imagine going somewhere and, and someone saying, your job is to, you work at a grocery store. Your job is to put the cereal on the shelves. Okay, easy enough. Now imagine someone tells you, don't put the Cheerios on that shelf or someone's going to beat the tar out of you. You think you're going to put the Cheerios on that shelf or you're going to just not? Maybe I'll wait till tomorrow to do that one. Right? Because you'd be yeah. scared. You were going to get beat up. It's a people don't have that fear factor anymore. 
It's not, it's not a part of our life. Were there any like uh, pest players that were immune to that? Like, like no matter what anyone did, you couldn't stop Coletta from doing what he did. It was Coletta. uh, Coletta was was the one and Ronaldo. Yeah. Pat Coletta, Zach Ronaldo, those two guys were immune to it. They didn't care if you beat the tar out of them. They didn't care how many threats you gave them. They just did whatever they wanted. So I knew if I played Patty, I was at, I would be all over him all night long. And the same with uh, Zach Ronaldo. So the, those two guys, not that I know of, maybe they just internalized it a lot and they had a lot of like sleepless nights, but they seemed immune to it. But those are the only two guys that I think stuck out really because the other guys who fought, who were middleweights, like Mike Browns, the Rick Rippins, the, the Tanner Glasses, these types of players, the Brennan Press. They were they were scared, you know. They they got nervous and they didn't play like they usually do when there's not a big heavy in the lineup. And the same goes for heavyweights too. I changed the way I played when I played against Steve McIntyre. He was the only guy. I know Brian McGratton changed when he played, and all these guys changed when they played when I was there. And I'm not tooting my own horn; it's just a natural thing. I was terrified of Steve McIntyre, absolutely terrified. Didn't want anything to do with him. No, thank you. I'll pass. Everybody else was fine. Back on the show. He was a heck of an interview. Yeah. But he we, he's hard to stay focused. He just goes <laughs> off on these tangents. And we're like, Steve, maybe people care about you, you know, what you do on the farm and wrangling stuff. And I talked to him the other day, actually. He called me out of the blue. Nice conversation with the guy. He's like, yeah, your name came up. And you just got that, this like ranchy drawl. Ah, your name came up and we're just shooting the breeze, spitting the chaw and the old, I'm like, you're like you, he's like a a character. He's honestly like a character from a book. You can't you can't write him better. You're like that's you're the real. Time that we had you, him on. Remember he was calling in from the firehouse, and so he's like talking yeah. to the guys while he's talking to us. And at one point he pulled out was it a cello or a bass or something? Yeah, one of those big. And he's just showing us that he's been practicing. I don't think we included that in any of the video, but yeah, he's a character. Interesting guy. Super. He's trying to like like everybody else. They want like. I got to have some kind of show or this and that. They think it's super easy to do this and it's not, but yeah, great guy. We should have him back on again. Cause he was, he was a treat to have on. All right. You mentioned the all-star weekend, Tim, let's get into that. A lot of positives coming out of this weekend. A lot of great stuff. People are very enthusiastic about this past all-star game. Rightfully so. It, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I think everything was really well done other than the, the draft. We, we can maybe just get rid of that altogether or expedite it or just make it condensed just too much the only thing that people are a little upset about nikita kucherov the all-star the superstar the two-time stanley cup champion he didn't seem to have his mojo in the skills competition tim what do you what's your take on nikita pretty much blowing off the skills competition yeah, this is the guy who went first overall in the player draft. Like, he was the one that people wanted. I know it's an all-star game and it's silly, but you go out there and it's a time passing drill. So, like, the most points in the, in the shortest time to complete. And guys are going hard. You know, like, this was before the, the fastest skater drill. So, guys are, are trying to earn the points. There's a lot of money on the line. You're also doing it for the fans and the kids and all that. And that's the part that I feel like annoys me a little bit. Cause I don't want to be like the wet blanket because Kucherov has won everything there really is to win in this league. And he's just a Hall of Famer. He's, he's doing everything right. And so like, I get him not taking this too seriously, but you're in Toronto. There's a lot of kids watching. Like you can't go out there for 45 seconds and just, just skate a little bit harder because he could have gone not a hundred percent, 
and taking it easy. And it still would have looked a lot better than that. Like he went out of his way to make it the most casual, like insincere. Like you could have, like, it's just, there was a middle ground to be had. If you didn't want to take it too seriously, didn't care about winning, didn't want to be there. You could have done that without putting on that display. That was like open disrespect. I don't care. I'm better than this. And that's the part that I think rubbed people the wrong way. I agree. I feel like if he didn't want to do it, just decline because the 12 players that were chosen, I, you, you would think they asked him, right? Do you want to do this? Does this, this sound like something you would you know, be interested in? Connor McDavid orchestrated the whole thing. He's got these new events. It'll be fun. He has to say yes to that. I would imagine at some point they ask him. I don't know. It, it just looks strange. It, like, Do you think he was drunk? <laughs> I think they all probably were, but I don't think that's why he did it. No, they weren't. They definitely weren't because they they put on a show. Some of those guys were incredible. Some of those events, the stick handling, the speed, the skills, the passing. It was top flight stuff. And then you see Kucherov, who's not even taking a hard stride, like straight legged the whole time and not even really aiming his passes. He's just kind of just going through the motions. And I think he had four points. It was embarrassing. I don't know. Maybe he's just doing it to the Toronto fans because they were booing him. And it's out of spite. He's saying, you're going to boo me? Suck it. I'm not going to try it all. I'll just go through the motions and just make a complete joke of this whole event. Maybe that could be it. I was thinking that he was just out of spite saying, fine. You you want to boo me in an all-star game? I'm just not going to try it because I can. That That's such, I'm the all-star here. I don't have to do a thing. Or maybe he just doesn't like the idea of, of trying. Like, I, I just, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I'm not. I am an all-star in 2016, but I'm not your traditional all-star. So I I don't know. He's been to multiple all-star games. He's done some pretty fun stuff. You know, he did the no shot um, a few years back at the breakaway challenge that everybody raved about. It's like, oh, Kucherov, so, so creative. It was a bad look for him. I think he should have tried or just not done it. I just not good for the brand, for the Kucherov brand, right? (laughs) Like if there ever was one, his brand is just scoring a ton of points and chugging Bud Light after the game with Braden Point and all the other guys when they win Stanley Cups. But he was the bad. What stood out for me was just how good Connor McDavid was to him. People just, I think you take it for granted when you don't see him very often. He's on the West Coast. You maybe catch a game here or there when he's on a nationally televised game. This was the best players in the planet going against each other head-to-head in a skills competition. That's what it is. Connor McDavid is better than everybody, hands down, hands down. And not just at like one thing, him, he's better than him at everything. Passing, shooting, skating, puck handling, everything. You know, he's not a specialist at one thing. Like, okay, Patty Kane is a sick passer. Alex Ovechkin, the guy's got a cannon for a shot. Austin Matthews, he can fit a puck through, you know, this this big in a glass, and it's going to be accurate every single time. Barzal's fast as heck. David is better than all of them at everything, right? Like everything. He's just a stud. There's nothing he doesn't do that isn't good. And I think he just put on a show this this whole time. It was the Connor McDavid show. Yes, he picked the advance and he helped Gary Bettman revamp and he did a great job. These guys still could have beat him. And it was it was just obvious he's better. Did you get that sense that it was his and then everybody else was just there filling space? 
Well, you know, not feeling space, but yeah, he was he was the best, you know, head and shoulders. I was actually watching the skill or maybe the the game on Saturday with my buddy Wes, and he was like, "Man, I gotta make a point of watching more McDavid games because they only see like on highlights and stuff. Most of them are on the West Coast, and we don't get to see him every night. He's special. He really is. Like you watch him in the skating drill, he actually messes up like once or twice where he kind of hits a cone, and he still beat Quinn Hughes, but for like by a good chunk. Like he's just yeah unbelievable. And if you're Batman, right? This weekend could not have gone better. It's in Toronto. Like you made a ton of money from it. Everyone's there. And then you have the best player in the world win the skills competition on Friday night, which is just you're printing money, super marketable. Saturday night, the game, you've got the the four teams, really good hockey, actually. And then the finals is McDavid's team versus Matthew's team, which is just exactly what Bettman wanted. Matthew's teams win. Matthew gets the MVP. So now you've got the best of both worlds. It, it couldn't have been scripted better. Maybe it was. Like, it was just really fun to watch. And it, honestly, that three-on-three game, I, I watched all four games. They were so much – or three games. They were so much fun. Um, I, made, I made a point in the uh, the first game. It was McKinnon's team versus um, – who was it? McDavid's team. And it, so you, for, 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 like, a multiple shifts, you had McKinnon, Crosby, McCarr versus McDavid, Dreisaitl, Pasternak. They kept matching up against each other, and it was sick to watch. Those guys are just unreal. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was a good weekend. And obviously, Matthews, what do you get? A couple goals and assists in the final games, wins the MVP, joins the esteemed ranks of players like me. You know, he's he's a part of the group, which is really neat. I haven't reached out to him yet. I'm going to let it, I'm letting him come down from the high. Yeah. And then I'll welcome That's him important. to the group. It is. It is. So it, it was a great weekend. Gary Bettman's feeling good. He gets back to his hotel room. He gets a text on his phone. It says, oh, the Coyotes have bought land for their new rink. That was that was a big question mark. We didn't know what was going to happen. There's been threats out there. You have to have something done by the All-Star break or we're going to move the team. Utah desperately trying to get a team into Salt Lake City. They've filed for new franchise fees, and they want to go through the whole process. They have a rink. They have donors. They have backers. They have everything you need. They have a a fan base. They want to get in the NHL, and they want Arizona's team. So the pressure's on. Tech says, Arizona's purchased some land in Phoenix. We're good, right, Tim? We're good. We're in the clear. No, 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 says Marty Walsh, head of the NHLPA. What has he got to say about this? He wasn't very excited like Gary Bevan was. Yeah, this whole debacle continues. It goes on, obviously, for years now. We've heard from the owner. We've heard from the commissioner. We've heard from, like, we've heard from the city. We've heard rumors of what the players said and how they feel. We haven't heard from Marty Walsh, the NHLPA head, uh, former mayor of Boston. And it is, like... Crazy. So this is what he says first is he spoke of the immediate availability at the All-Star Weekend. Quote, I have serious concerns about Arizona. I'm extremely disappointed with the ownership of Arizona, with the president of Arizona. They have not reached out to the NHLPA to talk to us about what the situation in Arizona is. You can buy a piece of land. How long will it take you to permit the land? Do you need a referendum? Is there hazardous waste? Do you need to remediate the land? So you can talk about buying land in Arizona and it can be 10 years before a shovel goes into the ground. So he's talking about like, yeah, this is great. This is good. I've heard this before. It might not go through. The city's blocked it multiple times. This site, even if it, even if it gets approved, like the site might not work. If this hazardous waste, if there's other things you need to consider. And so he's frustrated and he's letting people know it. And I love it because you like Bettman can contain him. He doesn't work for the league. He doesn't work for Bettman. He doesn't have to be careful about what he says. He doesn't really work for anyone except for the players. 
and he gets to not hold back and share this frustration. And you know the players, they're not speaking out, but you know who he's speaking for when he says this. He's not just like, he's not talking as personal. He's representing the players when he says this. So I, I love this. I love this uh, that he's speaking his mind. Yeah, and before this, I think it was earlier this week before this news came out about the new purchase and this and that, we're moving forward in Phoenix. He had been interviewed about the Arizona situation, and he said, they're playing in a college arena. This is this, and they're the second tenant in that arena. They don't even have their logo at Center Ice for Pete's sake. This is an Arizona State rink, and we're just renting it from them. He said, This is not the way to run a business. It's not. And and I know he's talking to the guys in Phoenix, Arizona, I should say. They have calls, they have, you know, a, a local rep who goes around and touches in on the players. So they'll have a rep out west who goes, you know, at Arizona, Dallas, the, the California teams, and he he has that area, southwest. Anyway, how's it going? How's everything going? He checks in on everything, the the players rep. He's like, are they treating you right? And how's the travel? How's the food? How's the amenities? How's everything? And the players in Arizona are obviously hating it. It's a college rink. Nothing's changed. They didn't have a locker room their first year. There's no sign of them getting an NHL rink. So, yes, I think Marty Walsh is doing the right thing because I, I, I am actively trying to build right now. I'm going through the process of getting permits, getting approvals, getting, you know, you have to do the land division. You have to do this, this, and this. It's just for a house, and it takes a long time. You know, you have to get septic and tax. I have it all right here. It's all here. This paperwork here. Surveys and all this stuff. Like, th this is it. I have to do the final, you know, submittal today. It's taken me months to do this, and it's just for a house. They are doing a whole stadium, Tim. They have to get approvals from the county. They got to do another vote. Who says the Phoenix area people just vote it down? They don't want to have a rink in their area. Why would they? I don't blame them. I, over under, Tim. Just say we'll have two, two surveys here. If they stay in Phoenix, let's say for this, this um, game they are. Over under five years, they're in a new rink. Um, if they stay in Phoenix, under. I think they'll be under. Maybe so, wishful thinking. Just to put this into perspective, Marty Walsh is right. So they bought land. Do they have plans for an arena? Probably not. Do they have any, any idea, the design-wise, how they're going to pay for it? Maybe tentative ideas. Do they have any approval from any anybody to build this land? No. Those steps take so long, so incredibly long. And then building an arena takes two years, minimum, minimum two years. I think it's over five years. I think if, if, if they got it, got it going tomorrow, the best case scenario is four years from now, that they're going to be playing in a different arena. Clayton Keller is going to be at that college rink until 2030, we'll say, give or take. So I, I say over five. That's my guess, which is crazy depressing. My second one to you is, what are the odds of this happening? Yes or no, if they stay in Arizona. Will there be an Arizona Coyotes in 2026? Because there will be next year. I'll say yes, only because Batman, for some reason, insists upon it. He seems to not want, he's not willing to budge on that, no matter what it costs or whatever crow he's got to eat. So I'll say that. Yeah, he's dead set on keeping this team in Arizona. They lose money. The fans, they have a, a, a passionate but small fan base. There's just not enough of them. So I, it's crazy. And to, to, yeah. cl to close out with Alan Wall, or Marty Walsh said, he said, the players want 
to play in a National Hockey League arena? Is that so much to ask? He said, if there's no plan in Arizona, I would encourage them to move to another location. That's not crazy to ask. This, this, what other major sports does this? What, what other major sports franchise does this for a prolonged period of time? They don't. Maybe they have one year at a college stadium if you're a football team. Then you're moving on. Like it's, it doesn't happen. Only, only in the NHL does this happen. It's, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't happen. But and Gary Bettman is, is a stubborn, stubborn man. Well, I love that he even called out Bettman, not by name, but he said the last conversation I had with the commissioners that they're looking at land. I haven't heard anything since. So like he's he's letting the he's putting the pressure on them. And I want to be clear, too, of like we have listeners and people saying we're very critical of the coyotes. John hates the coyotes. We blast them all the time. And this is not that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure um, as far as college arenas go, this is one of the best in the country. And I'm sure when the arena is full and they have a nice home game. There's a good energy not, in the crowd. It's not one of the best in the country. It's not even close. And but I'm not even saying that. I, I played college. I've seen videos of it. North Dakota's got a fabulous, uh, fabulous. Minnesota's got an unbelievable site. All better than these it's guys. I've heard. It, so newer is not mm. always better. Have you been to North Regardless. Dakota? Unbelievable. Minnesota, fantastic. Way better. Better than NHL ranks. Actual NHL ranks. So, no. This Sorry. is... Retract that statement, Tim. Right now. I won't. I won't. I'm not going to. I think <laughs> it's I, it's one of the better arenas in the country. Like, you you still have passionate fans. You're, you're building, like, this team for the first time in a, in years has a little bit of, like, an identity and a future. If you can keep these guys and you can build something, because they this we've been here before. They trade away all their picks and everything. We're not being unduly critical of the Coyotes for any kind of vendetta or whatever reason. Like, I'm reading quotes from the president of the NHLPA. You know what I mean? Like this is this is real, whether you want to admit it or not. So um, I just want to say that because people think like, oh, we're just you know dumping on the Coyotes again, like we do every two weeks. No, this is this is real. This is nothing to do with us. I'll tell you what's going to happen. I, I just finished watching the Red Wings Avalanche um, biopic they had on ESPN. It was really interesting. About they it just chronicled the Claude Lemieux thing with Darren McCarty, Chris Draper. Great watch, two hours long, fantastic. What is going to happen with this Arizona Coyote team is the same thing that happened with the Avalanche team. They're going to move in. They had the team move in from Quebec Nordiques. They were instantly successful. Instantly successful. And this is what's going to happen with Arizona. They're going to move. They're going to go to a new town. They're going to be embraced, and they're going to take off. They're going to have an influx of money. They're going to inject it into the team, and they're going to be a successful team. That's that's my prediction. It won't happen, obviously, this year or the next year. Maybe 26, 27. That's, that's what I think is going to happen. So that's my prediction. Well, there's also, and we will save this for another show, but there's movement happening in other cities, and one of them is Atlanta, again, for what, the third or fourth time. Here's, here's, here's why I'm bringing it up. So they're building an arena, and I saw on Twitter, and again, you can go fact check this, because I don't, I just saw it, but the, the report that I saw said that the city had a deal where they wouldn't, they were not allowed to build unless there was a guaranteed a team coming. And so it's possible that if you put those two dots together, that the NHL has already agreed behind closed doors to move a team into Atlanta in the next year or two, or at least maybe two or three years, something like that. I don't know that's Batman's necessarily... been adamant. He's not adding. I think you said 2030 was the date. He's like, we have no plans on adding a team. So relocation <sighs> is not adding. 
I don't, I don't, well, yeah, but I don't, uh, I don't trust him. I don't believe what he says. You don't trust Gary Batman? What's wrong no. with you? What did he ever do to you? <laughs> That's a good point. He did Nothing. a lot to me. But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting way to run a business. Keep a failing franchise in a market that you know is not going to get better just because you're stubborn. Interesting. Moving on. Let's do some quick hits, Tim. Brought to you by DoorDash. You know, if you, if yes, you want some food. Can I do the ad for once? <laughs> can I do it? You do Go it. Ahead. I've lost my I've lost my mojo. You'd better do it. You love doing DoorDash ads. Sounds like you lost your appetite, but if you find it again, you should try DoorDash. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download on the DoorDash app, enter promo code NATION25, all capitals. Offer valid only in Canada. Subject to change, terms may apply. U.S., keep your fingers crossed. But don't, but don't. It's not going to work. Don't hold your breath. Don't <laughs> hold your breath. We're working on it. We're not. Apparently, other people are. But use Uber Eats if you're in the U.S. Or use DoorDash. You just won't get money off. But in Canada, boom, 25% off. All right, what are we talking about? Quick hits here, too. Yeah, our, our old friend Jesse Puglia-Yarvi signed a two-year deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins worth 800 k per year. This is interesting for, for a few reasons. And I thought, like, you know, <laughs> like you said last year, he's like, maybe I don't belong in this league. And he had a PTO with another team with Carolina, maybe, and, and didn't make it. Um, Pittsburgh, two years. I wonder what they saw in him that they signed him for multiple seasons and maybe because this year's halfway over. But what are your thoughts on this signing? Well, who knows? He's been with their AHL team for the last month or so, and he, he's he been playing well, nine points in 13 games in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, more importantly, plus eight, so he's not a defensive liability. And who knows? He's, he has high-end talent. He just He's never played with the type of players like they have in Pittsburgh. You know, he's he played with McDavid and Dreinsidel. They didn't bring the best out in him. Now he gets to play with the Crosby and Amalka. So we'll see. We'll see. This is the time, though, Tim. This is the time for Jesse Poviari. I, I believe it. I, I like this kid. I honestly do. He's, he's just honest. He works hard. He's, he's big body, 6'4", 200-some pounds. He's still young. He's only 25. Why wouldn't you kick the tires on this guy? Your old players are leaving soon, the skill guys. Why not just take a shot at Jesse Poviari? Maybe he could be the next group of guys who takes over this team. I don't think he will. But good for Yessi. Eight hundred grand is a lot of money. Is that the minimum wage now? It must be league minimum. That's crazy. It's a lot of money. Good for Yessi. Anything else? Um, yeah, Sean Monahan, Elias Lindholm, who was at the uh, All Star game, are both going to make their debuts on Tuesday night with their new team. So something to keep an eye on. And the Bean Pot starting tonight too. If you're a hockey East fan, the last thing I want to share is a voicemail. Ooh. We haven't done one of these Can in we a just while. Who has a bigger impact, Monahan or Lindholm, on their team? Impact? Uh, no, it's Lindholm. He's the better player. I was, gonna, I was thinking about making the case for Monahan just because they need him more than the Canucks need Lindholm, but I'll say Lindholm. I think it would be Monahan. I think he gets a bigger opportunity in Winnipeg than Lindholm gets in Vancouver. Probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know I'm right. <laughs> oh, I know I'm right. <laughs> All right. Don't worry You're about mentioning that. a voicemail, Tim. Yeah, we haven't got we haven't done this in a while. Um, I'm gonna play a quick one here, and and I'll I'll uh, we should do this more often. But so this is from our friend Jesse. No, sorry, Jesse Russell. 
Yeah, me thinking about Pugliari again. Jesse Pugliari? Hey, Tim and John. This is Russell, the fan that met Tim at the outdoor game. Do you have any tips on placing wagers on NHL games, such as stay away from a back-to-back game or maybe a coaching change? You jump on that team that just had a coaching change, et cetera. But this is Russell from Aqua, Georgia, which is north of Atlanta. Thank you. I don't know if it's a prerequisite for our listeners to give their location, but thank you, Russell. Um, exact location. So if you're in <laughs> North North Atlanta area, check out Russell. Thanks for the call, my man. As far as betting, I think obviously go to give better. You know, that that's the first and foremost what you should do. And then I've heard that you ride the wave. So if a team has a three-game winning streak, you bet for the fourth, and you bet for the fifth, and you bet for the sixth, and you ride that wave until they lose. That's what I've heard. I'm not a betting guru, but if, if you're looking for you know patterns, maybe that's what you should do. Or if a team's on a losing streak, you keep betting the losing streak until they lose, and you jump ship. You know, If you see a two-, three-game losing streak, you go, that team's going to lose. They're going to lose again and again and again. On the other side of the coin, as far as like coaching changes or back-to-backs, yeah, 100%. You, you try to find a team that's on the road and has a back-to-back, you bet against them for that back-to-back in the second game. They're tired. They're not enthusiastic. The last game of a road trip, a team typically loses because they're ready to go home. They're tired. They've been on the road for a week or so. You bet against that team. So look for look for those little things to give you a little edge, and then do it through give better. What about you, Tim? You're, you're a degenerate gambler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are all true. Like, there's an example. Dallas is playing tomorrow night in Buffalo, and they play Wednesday night in Toronto. So betting against them on Wednesday would probably be a good bet with that logic, right? Yeah, because you'd be back-to-back. And I know that's not a lot of travel, but you still got to pack up the hotel, you play the game, you jump on the plane, you fly in, you don't really have a morning skate. So you, you're all out of sorts. And so, yeah, I would take Toronto on Wednesday. That would be the the smart bet. Mind you, you have to be aware of the teams. Like if Dallas is going the other way, if they're going Toronto first and Buffalo second, you can't just throw out who the teams are. You have to be smart with that. But yeah, that would seem like a safe bet. And I would do it through Give Better. So if I did lose, 25% of all my losses would go to charity. So that's what I would do, Tim. That's just me. That's right. All right, everybody. uh, Anything else, Tim? Working on some interviews. All the guys that said, absolutely, let's do it after the break. We'll fire off some DMs and see if we can get somebody in this week. Fingers crossed. Oh, we're getting somebody in. Yeah. All-star game's over. We're going to kick it up and uh, check it out. We'll have some guys coming on. I hope everybody had a good weekend. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.